You're listening to The Process, where we talk to some of the industry's most talented artists, including film, TV and game. From concept artists to previs to 3D animators and visual effects artists, we talk about a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind and workflow of each artist. For any visuals discussed in this episode, we've provided a link to images and videos should you need a bit more context. Or you can watch a video podcast on YouTube. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Jamie. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you. Well, yeah, how was your day? Uh, it was good. Finishing some work stuff. So yeah, I've been in front of the computer. Do you find yourself in front of the computer all day, every day? Well, I just had, well, I have a five, five month baby now. Oh, so congratulations. I, yeah, not so much anymore. So oh, I have yeah. a good reason to take a break. <laughs> we spoke recently to guest on the show. You may have seen her work, actually. Her name's Sarah. She's an Icelandic filmmaker in 2D. She does a lot of 2D work. Yeah, she's, I know, she's the one that did um, A Year of Dicks. Exactly, yes. You know, A Year of Dicks. Have you seen that? Yeah, I did, yeah, I did. It's great. Amazing. Well, we, we spoke to her recently about balance and taking breaks from work. And she said she would work, 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 work. But now that she's got a daughter, she has to take, she has to take breaks. Well, in her case, it's only, yeah, more intense. I actually think I did meet her at South by Southwest. Oh, really? Like really briefly. She was there with that film, but she was in another category and not in the like short animation. Did you win an award at South by Southwest did, for yeah. one of your shows? Congratulations on that. Which which one was that? It was a jury recognition. Honorable mention, I guess. Oh, congratulations. Man. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Yeah, well, my name is Marcos Sanchez. I live in Chile, Santiago, and I'm an independent animator. Recently, I've been doing a lot of music videos and a short film. I've been getting really into animation. I'm also a visual artist, so that's how I started, I guess. It's painting and drawing, and I still do that, but... Just very recently, I've been doing a lot of animation. How did you sort of get into animation? What was your first kind of tests or reason to start moving images rather than just creating, you know, artwork? I had a lot. I had a first encounter with animation when I was in Asia. I did a bunch of stop motion stuff for some. We had a at school. We had a competition of videos, and I I would do this stop motion claymation stuff. So that was my first the first things I did. They were like, you know, a minute or, or, or 30 second things. And then I went to art school and I did some more animation at a drawing. We didn't have a video program there. It was just all, you know, classic, more classical art training. Instead of just doing drawings, I came up with an animation. That was a second attempt. And then when I came out of art school, I did a short that was kind of intended for kids with a friend. We spent a lot of time as a four minute short. We put a lot of work in it, but it didn't really show it much. And then I took a long break. You know, I went to film school after that, forgot about animating, forgot even about making art. And then 13 years ago or something, I went back into art and started painting and drawing and then animation came back. And that really started like a more intensive animation. So your first music video that you made, how did you get that gig not having picked back up animation, was that a reason to do it? Did you want to challenge yourself? Like, I want to do a music video, I'll do animation. How did that, you know, spark that animation? I contacted a, f- a bunch of bands at one point that I liked. I contacted uh, Dealproof, this band, I don't know if you know him, they're from the US. 
And they didn't reply, but the, the guitar player from that band, uh, his name is John. He did the music for this for the short film that we're going to talk oh, about. Oh, brilliant! Later. Yeah, he replied because he liked my stuff, and you know, said, oh, "Let's do something together at some point." So I ended up doing a music video for his one of his side projects. Basically, did animation, I guess, because we we couldn't shoot the band or anything because I was in Chile and they were in the U.S. And animation is kind of easier to do with at distance. And by myself. So what I did is I took a, a bunch of random footage from online and drew on top of that. So that was the first music video I did. And then after that one, the same uh, John also called me because he was producing uh, Claire Cronin's album. She's a folk singer and she needed a music video. So I went into full animation for that one. And then after that one, then after that video, uh, I guess Kim Deal from The Breeders. You know that band The Breeders from the 90s? The Gorillas. No, The Breeders. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Gorillas. I thought... Oh, no, no, no. The Breeders. Oh, I'm not I'm not familiar with The Breeders. They're a 90s band, and the lead singer in that band was uh, part of the Pixies. Oh, amazing. You don't know that? You don't know them? Oh, they're great. Yeah, I know the Pixies. I know the Pixies. So, the, so I did a music video for them. Amazing. And then after that, yeah, I got a bunch of people asking for music videos like that. Was that also 2D on footage? Was that kind of your signature style for music videos? Yeah, I've, yeah. I actually done four music videos on that style, I think, and only two fully animated because like it became the breeder, the breeder's video was the one I guess that got most watches, and then I uh, got a lot of requests for that style. I really like that style because it's kind of liberating. The footage that you use. Some of it's shaky, low res, old footage. Is that more challenging to do than smooth, high res footage? Yeah, no, but I know it's really low res. And I, I mean, some of those videos are like 320 by 240. To me, it's more comfortable to intervene that footage because it's, I guess you can, it's already, since it already looks bad, you can just do a lot. And it seems to me like the animation can be, doesn't have to be that perfect if the footage is already not perfect. I was I was thinking, oh, Marcus likes a challenge here with sh- any shaky footage and tracking like 2D. I thought, is he is he sort of thinking this is more challenging? I'm gonna go for that. Yeah, but I mean, that's a yeah. And on the other side, all those the shots that have movement and like that are more kind of challenging to work on usually look better because you're not used to like having like seeing animation integrated into that kind of shot. True. So, that's interesting. So whenever I see a shot like that, of course, like I'd say, okay, this one, I know it's going to be hard, but it's going to be like a highlight and then I can do it like simpler ones. Nice. But yeah, uh, it works much better when when you need to track it and you need to kind of maybe the animation has to go from behind the character and kind of in, like get immersed into the, into the space of the video. The more you can do that, the better. I really enjoyed the smoke on the skateboard on one of the pieces with all the smoke effects and stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, you've got a lot of character stuff and, and and 2D effects. You know, which ones do you enjoy doing the most? Sometimes with the effects, I, I've seen that done with like presets a lot. Oh, it doesn't okay. work as well. So when I do effects, I like it because it's kind of relaxing and, and the movement of the smoke, if you get it right, it's... Kind of, you, it's really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and satisfying to watch. It's very yeah. satisfying to but watch. It took me a while to get it to move kind of smoothly. I kind of, I had a friend that was working with me, one of those, and 
since I've been doing that much more than him, I had to kind of explain to him how I figured it out, how to make it move slowly. And I don't know, how, yeah, it was hard to explain even, but there's a logic that took me a while to get. Um, but I enjoyed both. I think sometimes actually the abstract stuff leads to the characters in a way. The transformations are really interesting to see of the characters, how they sort of, you know, the, I'm looking at a clip now of, of the, the, the lady and the man running um, on that sort of plank into the water yeah. and he transforms into like the like a devil like a red demon. demon character type thing. I guess this is quite, you know, included in your artwork itself. You know, use of negative space, which obviously is used a lot in the piece that we're going to talk about, uh, something in the garden. We saw the art piece that you made of that, that, that building where you look through that tiny little hole and you see it animated 2D. Oh, yeah, you saw that. Animations in there. This piece that we're going to talk about next is all about negative space. You know, the whole black frame, the small character, and you can't see any depth to the scene until you see the silhouettes that they, where the character moves and then comes closer to the frame. Then you can see the foreground elements. You, I think your brain fills in the space and depth this is funny because you with that the house that you were talking about with the peak holes is also this this short film also has a little bit of that although like peeping and looking and like voyeurism in terms of story i mean there's the character that wants to be more oh okay personally i'm a big lover of cats marco so the opening shot really really hurt gets got me straight away but um but yeah, I've what, heard that comment. Really? Uh, yeah. What was the um, choice for for killing the cat first? Just to get that out of the way. The whole film started with like drawings that I did randomly without like without even thinking what the story was going to be. Oh, really? And yeah, the very first ones, like ver like early, I tried to make something out of that world or like those characters that I was drawing. But one of the first ones and the one that I liked most was the blob. You know, this, this, this mm -hmm. nail monster uh, turning into a cat, like turning into a cat and, and yawning. So I had that sequence and I didn't know how to make <laughs> it fit. But I had already the, I knew that the, the logic was going to be that whatever this monster eats, it would kind of incorpor incorporate into this like uh, body and would mutate. So at the very end, I thought, oh, well, the cat, I could start with it. That's how the cat Okay, like if I had drawn anything else that that very first sure, yeah, it's gonna be another animal. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. Can you just give us a little sort of background about the project, how it came about, and the inspiration to do that? How it came about, it was very kind of naturally. I I started making this drawing these characters, not knowing that I was going to make a short film, and this this character of this log came out. First, because I had already uh, done a character like that in one of those music videos, and I wanted to explore it more. Thinking about that character came out the, the whole the other story, but it it was really it's really um, a very personal project, I guess, that I kind of understood as I was making it. Kind of the same way I think the the people that watch watch it experience it. Like, what is this? Why am I watching this? And it's more like a mood piece in a way, yeah, like an atmosphere than a very developed story. And I like that. Yeah, it kind of grew in the same way in my head. It's really interesting because as we were watching it for the first time, I felt as a viewer 
yeah, what's going on here? It's ominous, it's mysterious, and then it also lures you in as a viewer. You feel that you could almost be consumed by this creature. That's the way I felt when I was watching it. I do that, that kind of in purpose, that I like to make something where it's kind of attractive to watch and you kind of like if, if this was Lean, some, literally support, leaning would in. Be like, yeah, like that's leaning. exactly what I was doing. So there's a lot of things like that I like to do, like the flowers and the movement of like soft movement of things and yeah. quietness that puts you in a state of, yeah, I want to be in this space even though it's ominous or creepy, but it kind of feels good. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's the it's the pacing. The music also. Oh, the music, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about the music. When I talked to John about how the music should be, we said, like, let's not make it creepy. The music is not creepy, it's kind of dreamy. It complements what's going on in the story and kind of serves that, like, duality of, like, this, I'm attracted to this, but at the same time, I know it's dangerous. Yeah, it, that's that luring sense, isn't it? And also the pacing of each shot, you know, it's kind of those shots that really hold... A bit uncomfortable, not uncomfortably long, yeah, yeah, yeah. but long, long enough to make you really go, what am I looking at here? You know, and then that's that feeling of leaning forward into the frame as a viewer. Yeah. You yeah. know, so the pacing of it really helps to sort of, you know, go with what you're trying to achieve. Especially the shot where, um, you know, this creature's just crawling across the frame, crawls for a longer and another crawl and you think what's what's happening what's happening what's happening and then you'll just cut to the, and you then know, it stops to the next and cut. it's still there like sometime and it's just a loop uh but the stuff that go that that's in front of the nail like the the grass or sometimes at some point there's a water tap things like that i like that you could watch a little bit of the space through that motion in software wise marcus can you just talk about your choice? When I did this, I was in between changing software. So I actually did part of it in Toon Boom, did part of it in TV Paint, and a little, like one or two sequences in Open Tools, like a free, free software for 2D animation. So yeah, but I actually did a lot of those in or Paper. Oh, too. cool. Can we see some of it? Can you just, does this work as a, a flip book? Can we, can we see? Well, if they're in order, yes. Let me see. I don't know if it's kind of... I think it's oh, great, man. So, yeah, I did a lot of it in, on paper. And then in the middle of the process... Well, this I started this in like 2018 or something, the first drawing. So in the middle of the process, I got a tablet. So I finished up, drawing some of them digitally. But the first ones were drawn, drawn and cleaned up on paper. Yeah. And this is a clean cleaned up version. With, like ink. Oh yeah, that's the moment where they get zapped. There, yeah, they that's get a close up. See that, those moments. Are, are, you know the the contrast of you know when you're curious about something and you and it's all silent and you're lured in and then it zaps you and you go oh and then but then also you're still curious to like go back and then there's like three moments. I think it's two or three moments where these moments of sort of pricks you back in like alertness, you know, and then you're sucking back into it. Yeah. Like the jump scares as they, that shot I really liked when I did it. I was really hoping to have as much contrast as possible, like visually too, like from the cuteness of the monster to that full oh, close-up. Big full frame, yeah. And it's the only shot that doesn't have this uh, blackness around it, like full frame. So the, those negative spaces, those foreground elements, how are they, are they layered in 
I guess composited in yeah, composition, like a, I guess. like an old theater, like paper theater or something. Yeah, definitely. I they're all drawn. Yeah, like the grass swaying and the leaves blowing. That's all. Yeah, two D style TV shows, animations. Where do you get your sort of inspiration for like character design? Is it all in your head? Comic books. I I really like Daniel Falls. He's a like American comic book artist, and I think right. his drawing style. And it's not really that similar, but there's also Miyazaki. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not that I'm a huge. I mean, of course he's great, but it's not that I'm being like huge fan of this or seeing all these movies. Not, but I really love that the careful detail of it and the. Uh, the idea that you that you can look digital, but it's you can still feel like a really delicate kind of handcrafted quality to the drawings. One of the things I wanted to make when I first drew this kind of blob, to me, was a kind of a joke on a old children's show that that used to play here in Chile. It's a Bel- Belgian show called Barba Baba. I mentioned this in many places, but the only people that I've seen that recognize them are Canadian or French or here in Chile. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But they were these uh, creatures for kids, you know, that they are, they're like blobs. It would be a family and they would turn into whatever they wanted. So if someone needed, I don't know, a fork, his arm would turn into a fork. Or okay. he needed a stair, some of them would turn into a stair, the other one would go up. It's a little like Adventure Time, Jake. Do you know Adventure Time? Yeah. Like Jake the dog, how he sort of transforms into all sorts of weird and wonderful shapes yeah. and creatures. Yeah, but this is from the, I guess it's from the 80s or 70s. Is it? Like, it has like a very vintage What's it called again, sorry, Marcus, because we're going to check called, this out. So. It's called Barba Papa. How do you, it's spelled B-A-R-B-A-P-A-P-A. And I think it's the same in any uh, language. Are you um, a He-Man fan by any chance? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's the He-Man there, yeah. Can, can you talk the, about the He-Man, especially with one arm? Yeah, with a missing arm. I, when I was drawing the room of the character, I just drew it as the room I had when I was that age. So, oh, oh, great. I was good. I was just looking at the frame now, so we've got the rest, like a wrestling mask, He-Man toy. It's an old computer. Yeah. And the, uh, you see a webcam that's a webcam from the like early... Oh, yeah, the, 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 the sphere yeah. thing, yeah. That's great. And it's the detail of, you know, the missing arm because when you're playing with figurines and like wrestling figures and monsters and the arms are going to come off or the legs yeah. are going to be broke. It's yeah, it's a nice totally. little touch. How was it to finish on such a project and, and what sort of time length did you spend on creating this? I started the first drawings in, in 2018 when at the moment when I didn't really know what I was going to do. It spent like a, maybe a year or something like dormant. When I decided to really finish it was at the beginning of the pandemic or like in the middle of the pandemic. I was finishing a music video that I did and after that I said, okay, yeah, now that I, like, we can't really go out, this is the moment. I'm Perfect time. It. And I wrote, I finished writing the script I wanted to do. I made the animatic, I finished it up. I'll tell you that took like a full year to really finish it up, but I already had done maybe 40 or, or 50% of it before, like pieces by pieces over a period of about two years. I actually was kind of in a, not in a hurry, but I wanted to finish it up and send it to festivals so I could get it out of my system and, yeah. you know, I feel good about this thing that I've been working on for so long. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I finished it in May, I think, of the 2021. And I started sending it to festivals as soon as I could. And the first one that I thought was good it gets in Spain. Oh, yes, it gets, yeah. So, yeah, I sent it there and a bunch of others in that one. 
uh, out of interest, are you working on any other personal projects at the moment? I've been working on ideas, but not really on, like, I haven't started animating anything. But I have ideas, and I, not that I'm waiting for it, but I'm trying to get funding for the new project. There's a bunch of grants that you can get here, I mean, that you can apply for. So I'm applying with, for some, but only in idea form, like written, but I haven't really started one yet. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it soon. I'm really... And I, and I guess that's how, you know, you started on this last piece back in 2018, just drawing like something on paper and then you draw something else and then you piece it together. Potentially this could be the same case where you just put something down, store it, put something else down and then kind of bring it together to make a, a piece. There's something really nice about working that way, I think. So at least, I guess it's because when you start with the visuals, you know that this story it's going to be interesting because it's a thing that you haven't seen before and that it's really attractive to me like you might do the same with writing like this is a story that you haven't heard before but for me so far it's been more like well this is a world that i haven't been in before so i want to when i draw it i say okay i'll see what the story is but first i want to describe this world and see and i don't want to kind of be immersed in this with these characters and this weird drawings today um, that's, that's a really interesting way of doing it actually um so so you build a world that you'd like to kind of explore and like you come up with a character that you want to ask questions of where what's the origin of this worm or this creature and where does it live why is it there and then i guess yeah. that develops story on top of a smaller idea yeah totally it's you i'm as lost in the story as person that watches it and I, I like the idea, especially in, a, in an animated movie that you're just exploring. Yeah, you can you can do whatever the hell you want. Is this next project something in the same world as that piece or is it a, just a brand new world altogether or have you not answered that? Uh, no, I haven't answered it for, for myself because I, I have some ideas that are not in that world but at the same time I've been thinking about maybe having a having something that that switches from that world to a more conventional one or not, or like an opposite one. So that's what I'm thinking. There would be those two worlds living together in the same thing, but it's, we'll see. We'll see. Well, whatever it is, Marcus, I, I would love to revisit uh, and then catch back up on the next project. Just moving back onto, uh, you know, that 2D on top of footage. When I see 2D on top of live action, I think who framed Roger Rabbit from when yeah. I was younger, 1988. That was my one of my childhood favorite movies. Yeah. Well, that one, for sure. I love that movie when I watched it as a kid too. And it still oh. still looks great today, I I, I have feel. to watch it again. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. You have seen it? Yeah. Have you seen it recently? I, I think I watched it maybe a, a year, a, about a oh. year ago. You know, very nostalgic to watch anyway. Really? But now with a more uh, sort of trained eye, you know, to look at things visually it still impressed me to this day and to think way back then that the, the you know the process the workflow the hand-drawn yeah all the hard work that goes into something like that and and at the time such a you know hadn't really been done to that level before on, on a feature film very you know groundbreaking in itself yeah for the whole for the whole length of the movie yeah, yeah that was one for sure um space jam the first one I'd no, not really, because I didn't really see it. I was too, I guess I was, I felt I was too old for that movie when it, when it played. And because oh, I was really? a teenager, I guess. Uh, so I didn't watch it. 
Um, no, I haven't seen it. No. Well, the, the second one, the new one, don't waste your time, Marcos, really? watching that. Yeah, it's not it's not great. I mean, visually looks quite fun, but yeah, if you like story and you're a filmmaker, you are going to be in pain watching that film. Oh, really? Wow. But maybe, maybe not. Maybe you'll enjoy it. That's just my thought, of course. But the first um, one is worth it. First one is fun, you know. Well, for, for, I haven't watched it recently, though, so it may be painful also. But when I was a kid, Space Jam for me was an absolute blast and of course who framed roger rabbit moving forward then you you mentioned earlier that you've now got a child five months old child you've got the exhibition space you've got animation you know you juggle a lot of ideas and and skill sets how do you balance the work and life well work and life it's it's going to be a it's going to be tested this year i guess <laughs> i mean there's a, there's a reason why it takes me so long to finish I have the ability, I guess, to, or like I accept that I have to take one project and spend some time there and forget about the other one. And then when I come back to the other one, I guess I get more excited and, and finish it. I don't, I, don't know if it, I don't think it's a good thing that I'm saying. It might be much better to just focus on something for a long time and then have you know a feature film done, which is amazing. I don't know how people do that because I get really distracted. I don't really know if I do the balance that well. Well, you know what? I, I think I'm quite similar in the way that, especially with a creative mind, you know, you start a project, you, you put it on hold for a little while, you get inspired by something else or your brain sparks another idea and you want to go and explore that thing and then you come back to that. So there's no right or wrong way of doing it. It's yeah. just interesting to to sort of get a feeling for how different artists approach different projects. And, okay. you know, we've spoke to people that, stick on one project and they stay up every, all night to get these done or some people put it on hold to come back um some people burn out some people need a break yeah. early on like some people set intervals you know it's just interesting to hear how, how different people tackle different projects and, and yeah and sometimes you have a, a job too i also have yeah. jobs that i have to do for a learning that are you know that have to be integrated into the process too so Sometimes you can get lost if you're picking from a bunch of different things and get lost in like doing something that maybe it's not as such a great idea or such a good thing. You know, sometimes it's good to realize, okay, this is, and it's and the other way too, like something is good and it could be taken further. So just stay there and keep doing it. Don't try to switch to a completely different thing too soon because you might be missing something interesting that can pop up just keeping pushing the same button for a little bit at least. I know what you mean. It's like, do you continue repeating this until it could it evolve into something else? Or, you know, if you're if you're thinking I'm getting a bit this is getting a bit too repetitive, do I put this down and go somewhere else? Yeah. It's you know, you never know what's gonna happen and, and what's the best way to do it. But Exactly. Yeah. Do you ever get to the point where you literally just get a bit fed up of of, of one thing and think, I just need to refresh and do something like hand-drawn or i need to go totally physically paint something rather than digitally yeah animate something to to refresh your brain and things yeah definitely i i at some point i did this i started doing this huge drawings with a lot of details and really intensive drawing uh sessions at some point i was so tired i had to stop and i look at those drawings there were a bunch of of them I did I did them for like a year and a half or something or more or two years and I look at them and I think I don't know how I did these things like quality started to decline it 
I stopped and I haven't really gone back doing that kind of work. And I put a lot of energy on him and I, but I, I did had to switch because I was definitely fed up and tired physically. Almost, it felt like I was almost physically tired. I couldn't even. But would you ever revisit any old projects and revamp them? Or do you just respect that that was what was happening at the time and that's how it was and things are different now? Yeah. Uh, no, I try to leave them. But I do have that feeling of I would do so many things differently. Yeah, It's kind of like a moment in time, isn't it? Of That's how I used to do, that's how I did things then. That's what I was doing there. And then now this has evolved or something new. Yeah, I, I would I would do this, maybe a similar idea. Like, okay, I think this could be done better and different, so, but I would do a new work based yeah, on Yeah, maybe that. learn new, but, in, implement your techniques that you've learned from yeah. that project, but keep something new and, and yeah. different. Unless, of course, it was some, but I've never done it, but unless it was something that I never showed and it stayed like on my computer or, my, or on my studio forever. And I, but I have this feeling that those things don't really work that much for me. Like to like try to make something better when it's already finished in a way that doesn't, that you don't like, it's hard. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention or? I would like to met, to just, you know, well, say that this, all this work is part of also work of the musicians that I work with and, uh, that are, you know, most of them, all of them actually, they've trusted me a lot. I've never done a music video where they've asked me anything specifically. So I'm really glad that, that the music videos I've made are, have been really, have felt like personal work, personal work or collaborations more than commissions. Do they ever sort of make any crazy changes or do they just literally enjoy and, and embrace everything that you, you do? Yeah, most of the time it's just, they just receive it and they like it most of the time. One one time uh, the band just wanted it to go further, which was fine, which was fine for me. And that case, it was a really violent theme, so they wanted more violence. More blood, more gore, more yeah, guts. exactly. Which music video is that one, Marcos? Just because I'd like to see that. Uh, it's called uh, "You uh, You Just Can't Win." It's a metal band from California. They're called All Soul. Uh, this story is about like a guy that goes on a killing. It, it was about that, like the killings in the United States. So, oh, right. It had it has that as a theme on the on the lyrics. Uh, and I did something with the funk footage where there's you don't see, actually see it, but you see a guy with a gun and going in his car, and you feel that that that's happening. But they were completely right because. They wanted the violence to be more impactful, and I think they were right. That was the only time, but most of the time, I guess because they've seen what I do and they're kind of expecting a specific kind of imagery, most of the time they're just happy with it and they like it. And most of the time I also, I also ask them for more time to make it even better. So <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, with the animation, I guess, you know, like tend to run late with the deadlines. So. I think it's going to be done, but I had to turn it in. It's like, no, it would really benefit from a week or two weeks more of drawing. For a, an animator, a creative, you always want to give more because you're passionate and you love what you do. You know, you can't help but want to make totally. things the best yeah. that they can be, you know? Yeah, I guess that's a sign when you're happy working on something, for sure. If it's animation or whatever, like if you really want to put something extra, it means that you're doing the right job for you. Definitely. One final question, Marcus. Any tips, advice for anybody getting into the world of animation? When I was doing something right out of school, I was working with a friend and we we used to think that 
we were doing like too much work for something that didn't really need it, thinking this could be done easier or in a more simpler way. And I think it's always good to try to push yourself and do like things in a non-conventional way or not the way that it's supposed to be made or like, yeah, like just to try to make your work unique and yours only. As much as you can in the whatever field you're working on, because it could be more commercial animation or more just independent work, but still try to come up with your own way of doing things so you feel that the work is yours and you can have something to offer. That's something I think is worth mentioning from my experience on this. Thank you, Marcos. What are you up to today before we leave? Any plans? Yeah, I'm finishing. Uh, I did this collaboration with a short filmmaker. Her name is Phoebe Parsons. She does this really weird and great short films where she shoots and animates. And she invited me to do a couple of sequences animating on top of her footage. This evening, uh, father of mode. Yeah, and then yeah, and then I made <laughs> to go for a walk with a stroller. Yeah, lovely. Love to Great be able to do man. that. Brilliant. <laughs> well, Marcos, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and I just want to say thank you for your time. Um, and it's just been great chatting to you. So yeah, thank you. Now, thank you for your interest in the work and your nice questions. All the best, and we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks again. Thank you. You too. Take care, Marcos. Bye bye. If you're looking for more conversations like this and can't wait for the next episode, head over to our YouTube channel or follow the link in the episode description.